It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. We're in the sports ground. It's wet and windy. My name's Alan Deegan. I've got William Davis. Good evening, Alan. We're here for the Challenge Cup game between Connacht and Perpignan. It's a bit breezy. It rained a little bit earlier on and Perpignan ran off the field, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Um, should be an interesting game. Well, it might be an interesting game. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. I've never seen a team run off in the middle of their warm-up because it's raining. Now, it was raining quite hard. It's a proper sports ground afternoon. The wind is coming from the Bohemore end straight down the pitch. Uh, it's a bit cold. It's a bit miserable. It's December. What would you expect? Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the new guys in the Connacht side, seeing what they're up to. Uh, it's a big chance for them, but they've got some good, solid players around them. You know, uh, Joe Maximu's got Quinn Rue beside him. Kieran Joyce has got Bundyaki beside him. That's a big help. Tell them what to do. Make them stand in the right place and kick them up the backside if they're not doing what they're told. Um, accuracy today is the key for Connacht. Take a couple of the early chances. You can never, you're never 100% sure, but that was a very lackadaisical warm-up. And um, I don't think Perpignan's mind may be quite on this game. And it's up to Connacht to give them nothing. It certainly is. I'm looking forward to seeing James Mitchell, his first start in 14 games, I think it was 13, 14 games, so I'm really looking forward to see how he does. Um, he was supposed to have Robin Copeland there, but there's been a late cry-off, so he's got Kobe Fainga playing at eight for him, so it should be interesting to see how he gets on himself with David Horwitz. Yeah, that, that will be interesting to see him at eight. Um, this is a game today that, in the olden times, would have been a 10-man game, yeah. and your eight, nine, ten would have been your key players slightly different now it's not a day for expansive rugby until you have a good toe hold in the game and the, with the, Horowitz with the wind it'll be interesting to see how he uses it because you will be able to drive that ball vast distances and it's, it's just it's a good challenge for them last week this time it was 31 degrees in Bloemfontein it ain't that now it certainly isn't we'll talk again on 20 minutes Great opportunity for a second try. Five metres from the Perpignan line underneath the post. 7-0 to Connick. 19 and a half minutes gone in a game that has uh, ebbed along so far with the weather playing a big part. It goes down, but it's playable. So Masterton takes it out. Mitchell, the scrum half. Aki is smashing through three players and now trying to reach forward and score. And he has Bundy Aki as Connick's second try. It hasn't been routine or anything like that so far but definitely on the scoreboard everything is going to plan. Okay William, just gone 20 minutes, Connacht lead 12 nil with a conversion to come. Um, we've had some biblical weather. Yeah, some of the worst rain I've ever seen here and I've seen plenty. Uh, just shower came in for about 10 minutes and uh, it, I think people were more watching the rain than the rugby. Connacht are doing okay. Um, they need to tighten up their accuracy a bit but this has given them a nice cushion now. But they're going to perhaps need it because I think scoring against this wind is going to be a bit of a challenge. Perpignan don't really seem to know what to do. Uh, they've at least started to kick the ball low because if you kick it high, it just comes back on top of you. So 14-0. Connor would like, I think, 20 minutes in this second, first half, if they can get the job done. Two more tries because the second half might be a lot trickier. It will indeed. We'll talk again on halftime. Halftime, William. Still 14-0. Hmm. Yeah, Connacht were guilty there of losing a bit of concentration, I think. Um, got a bit disorganised. Uh, Perpignan don't have much to offer, but they've, they've worked very, very hard. Fair play to their fans who've taken over the, the Grand Thornton stand as well. They're making a bit of noise. It's a rather uninvolving game, which has been dominated by the weather. 
but Connacht will be disappointed there that they didn't seize that game a bit more and they'll have to get at it fairly quickly in the second half they might actually find it a little bit easier to play against the wind because it doesn't seem to have benefited them in this half and it'll be interesting to see how Perpignan try to use it it certainly will we'll talk again on 60 minutes Okay, William, it's, it's actually 64 minutes gone. There were so many substitutes going on there over the 60-minute mark. We, we, we forgot our 60-minute job, but it's 17 points to three with Perpignan on the attack. It's not going too well in the second half. No, I mean, look at the conditions. We've had another one of these amazing showers of rain. It's very hard to play rugby in this, but Connacht just don't quite... They started off okay, but they've just a few errors have crept in again and they're back down on their own goal line. You feel that if Perpignan can get a score here, this game could get quite messy. Still pretty much under control. Connacht have just about cleared their bench. Kyle Godwin to come on. He might be the guy maybe to break the deadlock a bit, just to provide a bit of space. There's no space out there. No, there isn't. It's uh, dreadful conditions, and they've just scored a try. But I'm not sure he'll be able to kick it from the sideline, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll talk again on full time. 65 minutes. Connick 17, Perpignan 8. Good step from Kyle Godwin. He's made a difference since he's come on. He's a really, really useful sub to have. Perpignan trying to defend their line. Connick four metres from the Perpignan line. After leaders, it will kick through. Wasn't dealt with by Perpignan, who were scampering back into defence. Another phase or two, and Connick might be able to just find the edge here. Perpignan down to 14 men as well. They're just three metres from that line and they're going to go pick and go all the way for now. Three and a half minutes to go. They lead by seven. Connick need another score. Out it comes to Fitzgerald. It's gone further out to Kyle Godwin. He bounces off the challenge. He's going towards the line. Is he over? Connick have got the third try of this game and they've more than sealed the victory, that's for sure. 22. Okay, William. The final score: Connacht 22, Perpignan 10. Got away with it, really. I think. Um, good try from Godwin at the end. But that's a Perpignan team with a lot of fight in it for a team that hasn't won a game all year. Yeah, you feel they're going to win a game somewhere. Uh, tried very hard. Not. They're not very subtle, no. I would say. Um, Connacht be a bit disappointed with that. I think they didn't get the bonus point. And that, in the end of the day, when the, when the tables are all worked out, might be might be vital. It's the second game at home that they haven't got a bonus point. And um, I don't know. It was, it was a sort of a look. The, the conditions dictated that game, and Connacht came out. They got their four points, and they'll just they'll analyse it, and then they'll move on very quickly. It's a very quick turnaround. They'll be playing next Friday night in in Perpignan. They certainly will, and I'm hoping in much better conditions than what we're feeling here at the moment because the wind is blowing I just see the Perpignan players all racing over to their support base over on the Grant Thornton stand who were quite vocal considering they didn't have a whole hell of a lot to shout about um, so fair play to them, I'm really looking forward to the Stade Amé Général or whatever way you say that because um, they're, they're pretty passionate fans Yeah they are, I think it'll be a cracking atmosphere down there on Friday night um, I'm looking forward to it as well, I think we'll be interested to see what Connacht do with the team I thought Caelan Blade and Kyle Godwin on the time they were on the field made a huge difference and that's maybe difficult because they're a little bit short of scrum halves but they're going to have to play a lot better to win down there. Okay, let's listen to some post-match interviews. We would like to thank the official Connacht Rugby Supporters Club for supporting the podcast. 
For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out the Supporters Club website at conaclan.com. Membership is only €10 and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com for all your supporting needs. Andy, that was a battle. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was um, it was always going to be a tough battle. You know, it's a, a French team looking for their first win. Um, so we knew they were going to come here and, and throw everything at us. But on top of that opposition, we had the opposition of the weather, which both teams had. Mm. Uh, and it certainly made the game um, a tough spectacle to watch, but a tougher, tougher spectacle to play. said a lot that Quinn Rue got the ball at the end. He had a great game and just said, look, let's get this into touch oh, and take it. It's not about bonus points today. No, nah, that'll do us. You know, yeah. that, that, that game there tonight is just about getting through it and getting the win, which we did. Um, move on to next week. 11 changes coming back from South Africa um, you just said it in the wider press conference but I suppose to, con- to contemplate that and what Connacht is a- as a team and as a squad it-, it shows how far we're growing in terms of depth like. yeah we are growing it's, it's um, you know, something we said at the start of the year to be a to be a great team you need a, you need depth uh, across the park and, and uh, I don't know the numbers of players we've used this year but um, it's growing mm. uh, we had another debutant out there to do- tonight in Kieran Joyce we he had, did well um, didn't he he did very well you know, he, um, he never stopped trying either mm. Uh, we had three blokes with their first starts for the year. Four blokes actually, with Joe Maxima his first start in his career, um, Owen Masterson back for his first game, uh, James Mitchell his first start, James Connor his first start. So a lot of firsts out there. We had um, our three international boys back with Finlay Quinn and, and Bundy, but they haven't played with this team for five weeks now. So to bring them in as well, uh, a lot of changes, a lot of adjustments. Um, so really, really pleased with the performance or with the effort to get the win. When they came off the field against the Ospreys, it just felt a little bit low because the Ospreys had a lot of players missing. Connacht went at full strength. The turnaround's been quite good. Four wins in a row says it all. Yeah, listen, we, we all looked at that Ospreys game and we knew that we'd, we'd, we'd let an opportunity slip mm. there. Um, but we addressed it and that's, the, that's what I love about the group when we talk about something um, and we have the real conversation. Um, we don't shy away from the things that we need to do. So... The biggest thing there was, you know, we we didn't prepare the way we needed to prepare for every game. Our message was, if that was an interpro game, would have we done something different? Yes, we would have. Unacceptable. So since that moment, um, we've managed to to change that mindset, uh, and the players prepare for that game out there tonight. Cheaters, Kings, Dragons, doesn't matter who it is, as though we're playing Leinster fully fully packed at the Viva Stadium. So. Once we get that and that becomes our habit, um, if we have a loss, I'll know that we've given everything we've got and the opposition were better. Um, but since that moment, we haven't had that loss. So it means that we are a good side and we're, we're a side that when we prepare properly, we get the results. Uh, Quinn mentioned it already that they're going to be hungry next week uh, to get that first win. The, I, you mentioned a game that you, when you were a co- coach with Hardikins coming over here and Connacht, I think, won that game and it was at the end of a nine or ten game run of defeats. This scenario next week is not ideal from your perspective. Perpignan, home crowd, and they need that first win. It's not going to be easy. No, they do need that win, and, and uh, yeah, as do we, though. We, we want to keep that winning momentum going. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, we know that, you know, we saw the Perpignan crowd turn up here tonight. They're a passionate group down there in the south of France, and uh, they want their, their teams winning. I just spoke to their coach, Perry Freshwater, and, you know, there's a lot of. Um, 
it will look like there's you know it, it can be all negativity it's not there's, you know there's a belief growing within that mm. within that group um, there's some stability there for them you know, they've got a good good group of players uh, and that win will come for them soon enough and it's our job to make sure it doesn't happen next week I have to ask you about Kyle Godwin because when you see a player coming on like that he's a summer signing people were getting excited about his impact up to now but that just just emphasises what an impact he can make on a game keep saying to Kyle you know, he's, um, he's just got to trust his power and his speed um, you know, he's been guilty this year of stepping back on the inside and probably not trusting the outside. And there tonight, all he did was trust his speed and his power on the outside and carried a couple of blokes over the line to sort of, to, you know, to seal the match for us. And uh, he's a great player to be able to bring off the bench and and uh, and to add impact for you. Finally, how important is a win next week? Yeah, it's really important. You know, we're, we're still very much alive in that in the in the European Challenge Cup competition, and it's a competition we want to win. So. Uh, it's really important that we, you know, six-day turnaround, we prepare as best we can. We take a team over there that's capable of winning um, and we hopefully we get four or five points next weekend. Quinn Roo, man of the match. I know personal accolades are what they are, but uh, you must be happy with your own performance and you, as a group you must be delighted just to have got that victory. Yeah, um, it's great to be back at the sports ground. Great to get to, to win after the good performance of the lads out in South Africa. So um, I think it all around was a good performance. Can, even with the weather being so bad, I think we came out on top of it, so lads are delighted. The opposition have been teams that you were expected to beat in the last four games, but at the same time, four wins in a row, that's a huge boost for Connor. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a massive boost, and hopefully we can keep on building on that now. So, uh, like we said, four wins in a row, winning becomes a habit, so we need to make sure we learn, even from the stuff that we did wrong there, we can always learn and get better, so hopefully we'll work on that in the short turnaround and take it to Perpignan and hopefully get another one. I don't like focusing on too many negatives after a win, but four lineouts in that first half that just didn't go right five metres from the line, it's something you'll be focused on. Yeah, definitely. Look, that, that weather, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it really tough for you, so when they, when they kind of mark the spots where the ball is the easiest to win and you want to throw it to a tail, it's always going to be tough, so it's tough for the line-out callers and the hookers with the weather like that, but um, yeah, it's something we'll have to look at and maybe see where we can improve on, but um, yeah. Not all of the squad travelled to South Africa, but that, how big a win, uh, How big has that tour been for the group? Um, massive, I think, just because the whole squad didn't go there, it kind of shows the kind of depth we have with all the changes we had this week, and Lads obviously came back from South Africa with massive confidence getting the two wins over there and then that all of those changes in the squad shows that we're kind of building nicely in, the, in our depth and there's a lot of positions with a lot of competitions so it's, it's just great for the squad and hopefully we can keep on building on that. You yourself seem to have personally taken a lot from the Irish camp over the last uh, five weeks ago. Yeah, it's always great to be in that environment where you learn, take as much as you can and try and bring it back in yeah, into, into the club and try and just add, add value where you can so yeah, always keep on learning. Some battle with these guys next Friday night now. Yeah, I'd say I'd say they would want to give the, their home crown a win because they haven't won a game this year. So I'd say it's going to be very tough, and hopefully the weather won't be as bad over there as it was yet. But um, yeah, it's be it could be a cracker. Okay, we're in Murty Rabbit, the home of the Connacht Clan, who are celebrating Christmas tonight. Um, it's post-match. I now have as guests Niall Shield. Merry Christmas. William is back. Merry Christmas. And Devin. And a dignified Kwanzaa. We got a good win in the end, Niall. And um, good player come off the bench, as William predicted on 60 Minutes, to score the winning try. Yeah, well, I, I think he's our best player. Um, yeah, he was, it's just the difference. He really is the difference between the two teams. I think he's class. Kyle Godwin we're talking about, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Godwin was excellent. 
No, he is. He's the difference. To be honest, like we should we should be celebrating five points here. We didn't have an extra chance to have a fifth, you know, a fourth try, but um, I think that's that part now for a while. And I don't know. Next week he'll bring what it brings. It certainly will. Dave Perpignan were a lot more feisty than we expected from a French team who haven't won a game all season. But that's what you want to do. They want to get that first win. That's incredibly important to you. They're going to be feisty in every game until they get that first win. So, you know, and they didn't give, you know, there's two ways teams can go. They can either just go, sod this, it's wet, it's horrible, we don't want to be here. They're also suffering from, to a certain degree, and this can go either way as well. What happened in Perpignan this week in terms of uh, Baron Brits was massively affecting them. And, they did, and for 40 minutes, you thought, they, these guys don't want to be here. We thought that in the warm up. But then something was clearly said at half time. They came out and they really went for us. Now, they still made a lot of errors, and so did we. The condi- but we cannot, if you weren't here tonight, guys, you will not understand. I mean, Reina, you said it, it almost skipped off the grass, it bounced off the grass. At one point, it was horizontal. I'm glad I wasn't playing. And I say fair play to both teams for all 26 guys who went out, sorry, not 26, all 46 guys who went out there and played well and played because it was horrible conditions. And yeah, well done Perpignan. And more importantly, well done Perpignan fans. Really impressed by the Perpignan fans. Yeah, they were brilliant. I'm really looking forward to next week, William. Yeah, that could be a bit special Friday night in the ground. They get about 15,000 in at maximum capacity. I hope we get that um, because they're pretty passionate. And they really kept going. I think neither side really knew what to do with the wind at times. I think, I mean, Connacht had it in the first half and they weren't 100% sure. I don't think Perpignan were either. Um, well, they did kick the ball dead twice. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's, that's just very sloppy because Connacht did that once, so you kind of think, well, OK, we won't repeat that. Um, but both the French teams that have turned up there, here this year, a little bit of a different attitude. I've seen some French teams turn up and really not try. Mm. Um, but Bordeaux and Perpignan didn't quite have enough skills to get the job done but Connacht probably needed five points but they got four and uh, yeah it sets up next Friday night it's going to be fascinating down there I'm looking forward to going it, it is indeed Niall who else apart from Mr Godwin who else were you impressed by especially of the, of the, the newer people or the guys coming back from injury oh, I don't know uh, I think Quinn Roo was deserved man of the match um he, he, he played very well. Uh, having Finlay back was very, it was good. Um, Owen Masterson? Yeah, yeah, Owen Masterson was alright. But um, um, in general, it was kind of more workman-like performance. It wasn't for people. It didn't really stand out for me. Um, but uh, I suppose conditions dictated that it was very difficult to stand out. Yeah. Um, I was impressed again with Fanga. I think he's a, he's a really intelligent player. He's, uh, he won a penalty or two again. I just like the way he plays rugby. Um, himself and um, Godwin, I think, are two excellent um, acquisitions by, by Connacht. But um, outside of that, yeah, it was a mixed bag. mixed bag, really. It was indeed. Dave, your impressions of some of the newer guys. Joe Maximew? Yeah, Joe, Joe Maximew was fine. He's, he, by lock standards, he's basically just out of the egg. I mean, most locks from five guys get better as they get older. Um, always impressed by Peter McCabe in terms of what he, in terms of his energy. He may not be the most skillful, we said, but uh, he, um, he he gets himself out there. Now he has a very, uh, and I think Niall is very much at the forefront of pointing this out. Uh, he has a very strange running style, which means that he's very hard to stop. But if, if he, when he does get stopped, he gets stopped hard. And 
he was taken off against Bordeaux because of the similar issue and he had a HIA today and it's simply to do with his running style but I, I, I mean we, we, I said it against Bordeaux I say it. it's those guys who we don't necessarily talk about we have our superstars we have our Bundys and we have our we're, we're going to have our cards as I agree with, I agree with, with Nyla because he was superb but those guys who come in and do a job and don't let the side down and whose enthusiasm needs to be high as well on days like today because you look at it this morning any player all, again I go back to all 46 guys would look at that going I have been absolute I have run over the Ruby God's cat because they went out there and they put on a performance and yeah it, there were mistakes there were handing errors there were things that went wrong but I, I, I thought both teams can feel proud of how much effort they put in if not necessarily the execution and I, I think relatively I mean I'm not going to diss any guy based on that day because I wouldn't have wanted to be out there at all No indeed and I know we we, we we talked up to the Perpignan fans. You have to talk up the Connacht fans as well. There was five thousand people at the match tonight, William. Yeah, and I think um, it was a difficult game to get involved with for fans because there was a lot of stopping and starting and stuff. But they they, they give it a good go. It's still a unique place, and I think uh, hopefully there'll be some of them coming down uh, next week. One thing I have to say, I'm, I, I've said this before, but the substitutes sitting in the rain. Uh, is a very strange thing. Now, I know if they put up cover, we'd all in the clan be going, hold on, we can't see. Um, and at one stage then, Gavin Thornbury was due to come on and he must have stood for five or six minutes. And by the time he just looked like bedraggled before he went on, it's, uh, it, it really was grim. Have a look, maybe there's a few highlights around on television. That's as bad as I've ever seen. Indeed. Niall. Well, we were just commenting during the game. When you looked at the big screen, it looked like the, the pitch was bathed in sunshine. <laughs> it, was, it was bizarre. I suppose that's that show, yeah. What you could see today was when you're watching games from television, it always looks nice and clean and everything's lovely and, you know, it's very bright. And then you look at the, you're at the match and you're looking at the big screen and you're looking at the pitch and you look back at the big screen going, are they showing the same game? It was just, just bizarre. That's it, yeah. Honest to God. How about you listen? The plan information's in. It'll be alright in time. Well, hopefully, hopefully the plan, I assume the plan of permission is on its way in. I, I, oh, it is. Alright, that, that's good news. I hadn't heard that one. Excellent. That's great stuff. It's so, bruised, like, but, but it's already, it's gone in. We hadn't heard that it had gone in, so that's good news. That's good news. So we'll take a quick break because we're going to talk to some of the fans who were in South Africa over the last few weeks. Okay, I've got Sinead and Fiona Halligan who were in South Africa last week. How did it go? It was absolutely brilliant. Um, fantastic trip. Uh, the group that we were with were just absolutely amazing. Um, it, the weather was way warmer <laughs> than what it was today. Uh, the two games were brilliant as well. Uh, the first game was a great, great start uh, to the trip. It really made the trip for us because um, everyone was on a high from after the match uh, in the hotel. We had great crack afterwards. Um, then <laughs> the second game, um, I actually thought we coped so much better with uh, the altitude and the heat. Uh, the cheetahs seemed to go down much quicker, much earlier than us. Um, so fair play to the Connacht backroom team because I hear that the nutritionists and the SNC did a lot of work to make sure they were in good condition for us. So, um. Yeah, but what about the fun? <laughs> well, what happens on tour stays on tour. But okay. <laughs> I know it's brilliant. Um, I the one thing that we've said since we've landed back and even on the journey back from Johannesburg was just the group really made it. It was a brilliant group of people. There was mixtures of all ages, but everyone just blended in from the minute we got out there. Everyone, and we learned each other's names, kind of. Um, 
wouldn't like to be tested. But um, it was just everyone all in together, just laughing from the very get-go to the end. And, and what were you doing? Like, you, know, you can't just lay in the sun. Oh, the weather was good, but you must have been doing stuff down there. Um, Pierce had stuff organised for us so like in Port Elizabeth the first day we got uh, on the Thursday we went to Safari um, which was absolutely brilliant we got to see three of the big five which is unheard of apparently during the day we were told or a driver told us that like at the beginning of the day if they said we'd see three of the big five it wouldn't happen because you're out of the hottest part of the day so you're not going to see majority of them and then the rhinos hadn't been seen in a week and we ended up seeing two packs of rhinos and the two males and yes, we got it was that was brilliant. Like, brilliant. well, so you three of the big five. So the big five, what lions, lions. elephants, elephant, rhino, um, giraffe. No, not the giraffe. Elephant, lion, rhino, leopard, and uh, buffalo. The buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, that's we all what we said. That. Yeah. Third, wow. third most dangerous animal in South Africa. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's... So we learned something. Yep, yeah, yeah. I, I, we've just learned something. Yeah. So safaris were good. Oh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then we had a big uh, group lunch and everyone got to kind of meet each other that day. So, like, you know, if you hadn't met someone before, we were all into England and oh, it was just brilliant. Match day then was like, you know, uh, when we actually got to the stadium, um, our tickets were upgraded. They heard there was a big group of us, so they upgraded us to a box and put us, gave us a special box with a bar and everything so <laughs> uh, that didn't go down well at all like no 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 they clearly hadn't heard we drank the bar dry in the hotel at that stage so. <laughs> well maybe maybe they had and we're we're, we're joined by pinky did, did you enjoy that bit pinky at the king's game uh we just showed up we got out of a taxi from the hotel and some guy just waved us over and said you go in that door and it, there was no money asked so really it's kind of yeah. We were, we were VVIPs in uh, Cheetahs. Yeah. yeah. And then. Really? VVIP was on the ticket, yes. I'm not, still not sure, but. VVIP. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And how were their fans? What were their fans like? Go crack. Um, at, the, at the Cheetahs game, we were uh, having a few beers with um, a couple of the guys afterwards, and yeah, they were great crack, like, you know. Um, it, while they were all up popping up in the corporate box, you know, the 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 the, the, uh, the plebs were down. Yeah, the plebs were down uh, having a few beers. So I think at one stage we were buying rounds. The round was a six pack of Castle Light and a six pack of Vintook, and that came in at like fifteen euro. So it was we were a little unstable leaving. Shall we say? Yeah, because it was a hundred rand and you got five local beers, which mm. is glasses of wine. Glasses of wine. About a quid each. We were offered a lift home then in the back of a pickup truck, but uh, we instead opted for uh, a family saloon. Who they, I think they put the kids into the footwell of the uh, at the front, and they put us in the back because they, they just didn't want to see us, you know, walking home in the dark, which is apparently not a good idea. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds. That sounds like that was a, an intelligent decision was made yeah. there. You know, I'm not sure that their poor children were happy, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> That was the main thing. Any other, any other highlights? Uh, we all went to Robin Island uh, in Cape Town, and it, that was brilliant. Um, one of the guy, our guide, was a prisoner that, in it, and he was just—it was kind of hard to hear his story, but it was very good as well. Interesting. The aftermatch of the game in Bloemfontein was just amazing because we had had that box. We just all went into the back bar afterwards, and oh, yeah. Well, you were there too, but um, it just. 
they kind of just let us do what we want. It just became a bit like as if we were in Murty's, but it was there. We took over the music. God bless them. They saw a bit of Irish dancing. I think the locals didn't know what to make of it. But one of the girls was talking to, there was um, a place for food and all, and she was talking to the three, two of the women that was working there, and your one just said to her after the game, she's like, we've now had all four provinces in this room. And she's like, and I just thought it spoke so much for absolutely everybody who's on the trip, be it for Kellers or not, because she was looking at everyone. She's like, you really gave us uh, a lesson in sportsmanship. She's like, we're the ones one team that went out and they clapped everyone on and off the pitch be it our players their players like everyone's intermingling their fans were brilliant there were high fives going on after the match everything was being swapped but to hear that back was really nice like you know it did really save for me it was a brilliant as a whole it was just a brilliant group that really made the whole trip like sounds like fantastic times were had by all and it's obviously worth doing for anyone who hasn't done it I'll be back We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. All right. That's brilliant. Thanks, guys. I'll let you go enjoy your pints. So one of the one of the issues that's come up over the last couple of days, Dave, is the fact that um, we were hoping to see young Stephen Cairns play today, but he he got injured. I saw him walking in a moon boot after the game. Can you give us a bit more information on what's happening? I can't give you anything specific on what happened to Stephen Kearns. I know it was an injury in training. But the problem that Connacht now have is that they have only two fit uh, first-team scrum halves. Uh, they are James Mitchell and Caelan Blade. Now, the idea was to give Caelan Blade a break. As we saw, they gave Jack a break. They gave Jared Butler a break. So Blade's played a lot of games and will continue to play a lot of games with Kieran Marmion out for three months. Colin McKeown is basically out to the end of the season. The last thing they needed was Stephen Kearns going down because basically they're down to two scrum halves. There's a young lad called Colin Riley. He's in the academy. I actually have not seen him play for the Eagles, never mind the seniors. So that's a big problem. He has literally no game time at any level, uh, any above age grade level for Connacht. They are hoping to get two medical jokers in. One obviously for a scrum half. The other one is in because uh, it was asked tonight about Nihi. Nihi has had an operation, is out for a minimum of 10 weeks, looking more like 12 weeks. So we're talking there mid to late March. That's a huge blow. I, I mean, I saw, I mean, we all saw the injury. It, for me, I thought initially, maybe finger. I initially thought it was an eye injury, but no, it was clearly hand. But that's a massive injury as well. So they're also looking to get somebody into the back. Colin the Butler has gone down with a hamstring strain, so that's why he wasn't involved this week. Um, so they are looking at trying to get um, two medical joggers in. They are seriously curtailed by the fact that both will have to be Irish qualified. Wow, that's going to be a challenge, William. Irish qualified scrum half and Irish qualified back three player. Maybe Ulster lend us John Cooney. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it's yeah, it's it's part of the game. Um, but they need they need some cover. They've got some heavy duty matches coming up. This is this is a tough section of games. You've got another European game, three inter provincials, two more European games, and then an absolutely crucial game on twenty sixth of January away to Cardiff. That's gonna Huge. that's an eight point game, and um, it'll be played on their funny artificial pitch. Um, so we awesome. sh- yeah well, there's many words for it now awesome is not the word <laughs> I can assure you that's not the general view even in Wales yeah. um, so that's what uh, that's what the coaches and the management staff they got to go out there and find I, I don't know I really don't know where they're going to find them well I'm assuming that there's a province to the east of us who've used over 50 players already this season that might have some players that might become available Niall would would you have any ideas on that front Maybe, the mice. But um, 
I, honest to God, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm good for Stephen Curran. He played for uh, Corinthians there for a while. I just, I really like what he brings. He makes mistakes, but he's, um, he's rock hard. He go back from nothing, and uh, he's a cracker of a pass. Um, I just, uh, it's an awful shame. I do feel sorry for him. It's an awful shame because he, he's, you're waiting there for so long, and then you get your chance. A bit like Colin Picon, you get your chance, and then. Uh, you know, well, he's out for the rest of the season, so it's a lot worse. So, I don't know. Hope, I don't know how long how long is played out for, or how long is Kearns out for? Def? No, no definite time frame on Kearns. Uh, but if they're looking to get a medical joker in, that's got to be. They're looking at in around. They have to. The minimum you can sign a guy for is three weeks, three months. So therefore, you would be thinking that they would be looking for somebody. So that would mean if Kearns was coming back in the next three months, they'd have four guys. It's clearly they don't know. Um, you're looking at if, if we are looking at the Eastern problems. You go through their list. Like forget McGrath, forget McCarthy, forget Gibson Park. Number four is Paddy Ballerson. They rate him quite highly, so I'd be extremely surprised if they would let him go. Now, who's number five? He's played for Leinster, so he can't. They can't. You can't transfer mid-season, as far as I know. And I, I'm 99% certain of that. That you can't play for two teams in one season. And you look at who's available, and suddenly you start looking at well, it's going to either be somebody, a guy we've not heard of from either Munster or Ulster or Leinster, or it's going to be an Irish qualified guy from across the way. Now, the last time we picked up somebody Irish qualified, an Irish guy from England, it was Tom Farrell. You could get somebody like that. I'd be optimistic. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But I think it's the fact is that they've been forced into this situation. We always seem to get injuries in specific areas. We had a problem. I think it was a couple of years ago where we kept losing. We, we kept losing props. We've kept, at one stage, we kept losing sevens and sixes. Now we seem to be keep losing nines. And we used... Uh, the thing is, about f- three, four years ago, there was, just, there was just nothing but nines in our academy. What has happened to those guys? And it's a shame. I agree with, I agree with Niall. Stephen Cairns has looked really good when we've seen him. And you kind of want to wrap Mitchell and Blade up in cotton wool, but you can't because otherwise you've no scum halves. And you have to play. And we're on, what, a seven or eight game... You know, seven or eight weeks in a row now. We're going to have to play rugby, and we definitely need more cover. Yep, it's um, Newcastle last night had problems with props. It just happens to teams; they have to they have to find a way through it. I think there is a an issue for European rugby is that sides who maybe feel that they don't have a lot to play for in Europe, and I'm not saying that's Connacht's position, will just shrug their shoulders and say, "Okay, we'll 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 just get through this." It it seems to. You know, if you're sticking to your main competition, then Europe might actually feel the uh, the force of this in terms of weakened teams. Yeah, I agree with that because I, I think the hierarchy of the club tournaments in Europe are is the Heineken, you know, whatever the hell they call it now, the Heineken Cup. Then I think it's your domestic league, and then it's yeah. the Challenge Cup. Like it, it really is lower down. I mean, the prize for us is or the the chance of prize from it is so low that you you you've, you've such a greater opportunity to qualify for the Heineken Cup from your own domestic league than you do from the Challenge Cup itself. Um, you know there can only be one winner of that. So it's what yeah, I assume on, until they get to the quarter final stage, and then all of a sudden everyone realizes that there's something gettable within within two or three games. Well, I think I I, I, I agree with that to a point, Alan. But I think you know. Um, one uh, seeds one two three four yes yeah. uh, probably seeds five and six but I think seeds seven and eight uh, will probably not really be that bothered about um, about their quarterfinals and they're going to save it for the domestic league depending on where they are in their domestic league of course yeah. you know if you're in the melting pot where you might not qualify for your for the Heineken Cup or you might 
I can see a lot of teams saying sod the Challenge Cup, and which is a shame, but you know it seems to be the way it is. Uh, budgets, you know, people are stretched with budgets and um, yeah. and everything else for the amount of players they have. So that's that's what I can see coming from there. So next week we're in Perpignan. It's on Friday night. It's on the radio. I don't think you can be able to see it anywhere else, although you could see today. The, today's game was streamed live on the ERC site, which was fantastic. You know, it's just the stream live with the ref link. My, my, my idea of heaven, I have to say, William. Uh, well, as a commentator, uh, Alan, I would have to say that uh, I think commentators should always be used. But I understand, I, I, I think the future for this competition is stream, stream coverage. Uh, the, the TV companies can only show a certain amount of rugby unless you start kicking off games at 8 o'clock in the morning um, so I'm really looking forward I think it's a huge game I think it's a, it'll be really interesting to see I think some younger players will get their chance again this will be a baptism of fire I can, you can see the type of rugby Perpignan want to play well they'll, they will come out now they did that against Sale and they got into a lot of problems they had a player sent off the first game of the season they, they really lost the run of themselves in the first half and it cost them the game so they need to control that but uh, it's going to be you just have the feeling it's, it could be pretty uh, pretty tough down there on Friday night yeah I think so I'm looking forward to it well, I can see it as them seeing their that Perpignan will see it as their best chance of a win so far they've obviously they've lost every game they drew drew at Bordeaux um, but in, in their own league and everything else um, they'll do that I'd say today though was a bit of a change for the Perpignan team uh, earlier in the week that they get 300 days of sunshine yeah. down there <laughs> yeah. not so much sunshine in the sports ground today well, they, they, they shone for about two minutes <laughs> in between all the well I, I thought the best was William was on about the subs that they're sitting out in the rain I thought the best was when um, some of the Perpignan substitutes tried to go into the clan stand to stand up beside some of the the, pa- the patrons because because of the rain any other business who wants to start I'll start uh, I'll congratulate everybody in my old alma mater for be, uh, St. Rayfield's Lachray there was never rugby in St. Rayfield's Lachray uh, despite a few of the teachers being uh, uh, members of rugby clubs in town but they won the I actually can't remember what competition it was it was like the emerging schools emerging schools junior competition so it's very good to see so uh, I was actually in there yesterday and I was complimenting um, our old uh, vice principal and uh, another teacher that was there that I met. So I'm delighted with them. And, and, and yes, I can say that my, my school, St. Enders, won the Junior Development Cup for the first time ever uh, during the week as well. So, yeah, happy with that too. Well, that's it. I was just going to quote my dad. He used to always say, a good hurler can play anything. So he reckoned anybody that was good at hurling could play any sport and be good at it. Sounds like a, sounds like a reasonable quote to me. William? Oh, news yesterday that our uh, erstwhile former coach Kieran Kane is back in a rugby job. He's taken over as head coach at North Harbour, uh, up near Auckland in New Zealand, in the North Island, and we wish him well. He didn't have a very happy time here, uh, so I hope. I think being maybe being closer to home might be more suitable. I think he might fit in better in in that setting in New Zealand, and I hope it works out really well for him. Yes, so do I. Um, I think he's seen as a very good, a very good coach, and I hope he gets the breaks he needs down there. Dave, yeah, there was a very interesting article written in the Guardian this week about the classic other All Blacks, Neath, uh, a club that was synonymous with Welsh rugby, a horrible, nasty, 
place to go to because you just didn't win there. And they produced some amazing players, the All Blacks. Uh, to a certain degree, the Ospreys still play in black as a sort of acknowledgement of where they come from. I mean, I remember them I've them playing games against touring South African sides, New Zealand sides, and really being a terrible, terribly, horribly, horrendously passionate place to go to. And unfortunately as much down to bad luck as anything else, but also neglect and a bigger issue regarding the smaller, the club rugby scene in Wales, which also can be certain degree reflected back onto us here in Ireland. They basically were had a court case last week about whether or not they would go into administration. And, and for a club like Neath to go into administration, and there's, they're already talking about rebuilding the club from the ground up, but clubs like Neath shouldn't be facing this sort of thing. They're, they haven't won a game this season. And it's, it's tragic that... The game that we know now is based on the hundred years' work put in by clubs like Neath and indeed like Galwegians and Corinthians here, here at home. And to see a club like that go down the toilet, uh, be in the situation due to a combination of overstretching their overstretching their finances to get the type of players in that will build on the success that they're used to, and also their benefactor getting ill and basically saying, "I literally cannot afford to do this anymore." It's sad, and it's it's it, it's really tragic that clubs like this are, are going to the wall. Yeah, I was there a couple of weeks ago and we did the, we did the feature. I didn't realise how bad the situation was. I knew it wasn't too good. I'm just glad my father's not alive to see it because uh, it really is a shambles. I think it's been coming for a long time in Welsh rugby. Um, you know, semi-professional rugby just doesn't seem to work. And they're, they're either going to have to go back to a completely amateur setup or they're going to have to find some way of funding it. The Welsh Rugby Union aren't really very keen on that because they just don't see that that's the way to produce players for international rugby. And Neath have had particular problems. They had an issue about 10 years ago. Um, it's, it's very difficult to see where they're going. It almost appeared they, they were going to go under for 30,000 loan to pay wages. And the thing is... Um, it turns out, I think, that some of the supporters were hoping that they would and that they would literally start again from scratch, take them down two divisions if they have to. But the judge threw it out. They played last night. They lost for the 14th time in a row, I think, this season, 67-12 to Senechley, uh, who are... That's a nearly a derby game. It's, it is terrible. It's, it's one of the things that people have got to realise is there's an assumption that Wales is... Everybody watches rugby or plays rugby. It really isn't. Soccer is a huge game in Wales, and rugby has been declining. And it's these clubs that are that are struggling. And the problem in Wales is it's always somebody else's fault. It's the Welsh Rugby Union's fault, or it's this fault or that fault. But I think the whole club structure there is going to have to go and look at itself. I know my cousin, who I interviewed, or sorry, my, he's, he's the son of my cousin, uh, Richard Howells, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, He's one of the guys that might get involved, I think, on the back of, of, the, of a, not so much a fan takeover, but to get some sort of a board there to understand where they're going. But it is serious, and it's a, it's, it's a salutary lesson uh, as to how these clubs can simply be mismanaged. It certainly is. But on a brighter note, we'll move on. My favourite tweet of today comes from the Leinster... Leinster Supporters, official Leinster Supporters Club, where they tweeted out that they'd brought 1,500 flags to today's game in Bath Rugby, but they were refused um, permission to distribute them on health and safety grounds. <laughs> what? You could have your eye out with that flag. Very dangerous things. <laughs> that's, that's, 
Health and safety gone mad. I'm just I'm gonna head around Murty Rabbits here. There's a lot of lot of flags I see knocking around the place. Just gonna gonna remove them from the area. <laughs> dangerous dangerous items. Yeah, well, they're Leinster flags being waved by Leinster people. How much more dangerous do you want? I've well done, Bat, and stamp out this, this, this terror and threat to the rugby boxing populace. Final AOB from me. Please, Connacht, do something about those ludicrous numbers on the European jerseys. They are absolutely diabolical. They're a disgrace to the fans and the media. We cannot read the numbers. It's a guessing game at times. This is the third game with them, so maybe just go back to the drawing board. Second game, I'm being told here by Dave. Thank you, Dave. So we go back to the drawing board, maybe use dark green numbers, anything, so that we can see who is actually wearing the jersey. If you were any kind of a fan, Davis, you'd know what players were wearing the jerseys. (laughs) No, to be fair, it's it's not for the likes of himself, William or Alan, I feel sorry for. It's the likes of Rob, who's very far away from the pitch and cannot tell the difference between any of the Connacht players because as far as he's concerned, they all basically look the same. I mean, he can't tell the difference between a Joe Maximew and a Dara Leader. So if he he can't see the numbers, what's he supposed to do? Well, there's nothing else to say. We're going to have to leave it there. Bye, everyone. Nothing changes Sad and confused Don't wait until you